Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. Welcome to the Hoban Minute. Tonight we have the legendary Jeff Frazier with us to talk about what is going on with the new cannabis policy in Ecuador. And Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time to be here with us this evening. I'm absolutely delighted and uh, very happy to be calling in from the Galapagos Islands where things are well and there's a lot of sun and fresh air. Folks are happy and healthy and uh, all quite very excited in the country about uh, recent developments with the normalization um, of the cannabis plant and uh, particularly with regards to industrial hemp. Well, and that sounds like a beautiful place to be speaking to you from, especially as we sit here in the cold and gloomy (laughs) And dry Denver, Colorado, and uh, this evening we we even have uh, Halston Trabuco on the uh, on the microphone as well. So Halston, thank you for sitting in and being part of this this episode of the Hoban Minute. Oh, absolutely! Jeff Frazier is one of my favorite humans in the world, and I can't wait to hear what's happening down there. I know that there's been a lot of developments over the past few months, and it will be great to share with our audience really what the, those developments are. Well, they're they're quite positive, and this is uh, this was you know Hoven Law really scored some uh, some 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 decisive advancements here over the last um, year and a half or two here in Ecuador. You may recall, and for for the benefit of our listeners, um, Ecuador uh, that borders Colombia to the to the north and Peru to the south, right on the equator, is not a, a extremely large company, country. Um, but it has um, uh, extreme biodiversity. It has uh, uh, an enormous banana industry, oil and gas industry, um, uh, aquaculture industry. I think it may be the number one producer of shrimp in the world. Um, uh, And it's just a lovely place. Uh, And we were fortunate to find some key partners, uh, uh, Javier Valverde, Jose Davilos, um, at just the right time where, uh, where we, we got involved in, in the crafting and the drafting of legislation um, and learning some of our errors uh, in other countries, we insisted uh, that if we were going to be a part of it, we insisted um, that we needed, to take, uh, we needed to take this plant out of the, the, the criminal code effectively off of the list of controlled substances. And so the law was uh, ultimately passed toward the middle or end of, of last year, and it removed medical marijuana and industrial hemp from, from, the, from the penal code in the country, subject to regulation by the Department of Agriculture. Um, they are very um, uh, committed to, to also building a local market. Um, their history has, you know, the history of agriculture in Ecuador was largely selling raw goods and importing finished goods. And they're very excited about all the various uses. And Bob did a, did a, did a stellar job kind of guiding us uh, and the country um, into really genuinely focusing on local market, uh, regional markets, and uh, the industrial uses of the plant. Um, during the conversations with the various ministries, um, they got very excited about, for instance, using one of the biggest tendencies in the aquaculture 
world these days is the use of plant protein rather than fish meal or other things uh, to feed the shrimp and and the fish. And so the Ministry of Production is extremely excited to get some pilot programs going um, into using uh, plant protein, cannabis plant protein, hemp protein from plants uh, to feed uh, their shrimp. The banana industries are very interested in looking at how uh, the banana industry is very heavy metal, pesticide, fungicide uh, laden. And they're very excited to get some pilot programs going as to how the plant might be able to help phytoremediate some of these heavy metals from the banana fields. Uh, They've long experimented uh, and had uh, palm oil industry, and palm oil is really bad uh, by way of water use, destruction of mangroves and whatnot. And it has been something of a failure, actually. And so the palm oil industry is all very interested in now seeing how hemp oil could be a substitute for that. Um, and so we've got some new regulations that have come out. Uh, people are quite excited, and it's an excellent time to be looking at Ecuador. Again, it's uh, regionally plugged into Colombia, north, Peru to the south. Um, and if you get really excited and get on a plane, come down here, We'll you can come to Hoban Law Offices in the Galapagos Islands. There you go. <laughs> well, you, you don't have to uh, you don't have to say that twice, Jeff. I'll be on the next plane down there. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's 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 so fascinating to think about all of these opportunities with the cannabis plant and to see how it can marry into these core competencies for different countries, both across Latin America and, and around the world. And you talk about these sectors of the Ecuador economy that could benefit so much by hemp and by, and by marijuana. I, I'm really interested in this, uh, in this one thought and, and want to get your perspective on this, which is what is the history of cannabis if there is one in Ecuador. And the reason I ask that is because as you just look at the biological history of the plant, we know that it originated in Asia and a lot of the varieties that we see, uh, especially with industrial hemp, were they're northern bred. They were bred in Europe. They were bred by the Canadian uh, geneticists, Canadian plant breeders. And I'm interested in what the, you know, the culture and the history of cannabis is in the country of Ecuador. We know Colombia has a history with, with cannabis that, of course, touches narco trafficking and, and, uh, but is also a rich part of the country's history. I'm interested if you can speak a little bit to Ecuador's history with the plant. You bet. Um, I, I, I am fairly certain that, um, that with the Spanish conquistadors, the plant, the plant came over in these times. I know that it was particularly, um, it was grown quite extensively in Argentina and Chile in the, in the further south. Um, I don't know that it was uh, a significant part of the Ecuadorian, uh, or, or for that matter, Colombian um, kind of history, but I do know that it was very, very, very uh, uh, common in, in, in Chile and Argentina. But in all these countries, um, what we what we see is that in the early 70s, you know, with the Controlled Substances Act, with the war on drugs, with the United Nations Convention on Psychotropic Substances, all of the countries down here, mind you, 
in the 1970s, all of these countries, every single one of them, were under the control of U.S.-backed military dictatorships. And so Nixon's war on drugs came into this continent, came into this world. And that's when hemp production in Argentina uh, really just ended. Um, and so it's, it, it really genuinely is, is uh, a new thing in, in Ecuador, I think, unlike in the United States where hemp was, was, was historically grown for, for the fiber and the, and, and the textiles and, the, and, well, and all, of the, all of these uses. We're looking at a very new, exciting thing to these people. I don't think that the people alive here have ever seen other than illicit um, the growing of industrial hemp, certainly not industrial hemp. Um, and Ecuador is actually also not generally a big producer of other um, either either marijuana or cocaine. It's something of a transit point. Um, but there is genuinely excitement at the highest level. The other thing is, I mean, here's kind of what's going down. The government wants to do this and have done it. They're very excited about it. But they've taken a very interesting approach. They're like, okay, let's start with hemp. Let's start with, you know, grain for food for, for, to feed the animals, the protein for the shrimp farms, uh, the, the fibers and the textiles, um, cosmetics, medical devices, uh, pharmaceutical-grade stuff, but all with the low THC, in other words, under the hemp um, kind of regime. And that's where they're starting. And basically what they're saying is, you know, if we can put this together and if the industry collaborates and people don't go off the, res- you know, off, off, off the rails, then we can then move it into, you know, higher THCs uh, content and recreational and this and the other. So they're very much starting with him, um, and which I think is a good, a, a, a good and clever way to do it. And, and they're looking very much to local and regional markets, as, as I mentioned before. So this is new, new day dawning in, uh, in Ecuador, for sure. And they're, and they're starting with hemp at that 1% THC level, where we're not even seeing that here in the U.S. So that's a, the interesting mark right there. Yeah, that was the other thing we kind of insisted on. The 0.3 level is, it's tough, as we all know, it's tough to keep a plant from going hot at that level. But we feel fairly confident that at the 1% level, we can get it done. Now, for foods and food supplements and things that are ingested, uh, oils and tinctures, they do, the regulations do require that they do not have above 0.3% level. Mm. Uh, although for cosmetics, cosmetics can have up to 1%. Um, they're quite creative. <laughs> and, and Jeff, so, you know, it's always fascinating to, to think about this, but as we are approaching the winter solstice here in the Northern hemisphere in the next, uh, the next couple of days, down south, they are approaching the summer solstice, and so you are kind of right in the middle of the growing season for other crops. And I'm, I'm curious, do you think that any hemp got planted in Ecuador this year, or are they really looking at next year uh, for those kind of initial, uh, what I would think of as kind of R&D or variety trials to really see how uh, the genetics that are out on the market right now are going to perform at that you know, at the, at the equator, which I think is, you know, on the, 
on the genetic side of the equation and on the agronomic side of the equation, what's really fascinating is that with these uh, markets emerging that are so close to the equator, we are going to have to likely do some research and development, likely some plant breeding to really get genetics that work, uh, work in Ecuador. So I'm, I'm just curious, uh, is anything growing right now and what can we kind of anticipate for next year on that, on that research and development phase? I think you're spot on. Uh, we definitely need to get some, uh, get some varietals and get some varieties, some strains down here and have them tested. The, the equator goes directly through the island I'm standing on and right smack through the middle of Ecuador. So uh, growing seasons are, are you know, Tuesdays. <laughs> but, you know, there's some talk about, you know, is there enough, are, are there enough hours of sunlight actually on the equator for right. it to produce or how might, how might that affect things? The other thing you have in Ecuador, mind you, is, is that you have at least seven very defined and very different uh, ecosystems. Uh, you know, we've got island environments in the Galapagos where my guess is we're not going to be able to introduce plants to their pristine national park. But uh, when you get to the continent, you have, you have coastal plains, uh, rather like South Texas, I would say. You've got um, uh, coastal rainforests. Um, then you have a mountain range that goes right through the middle of the country that goes up and some of these mountains go up to, I mean, Quito's at what, 8,000, 8,000 feet, something like that. And the mountains go up from there. So you've got all of these ele- different elevations. And then on the east side of the Andes, you've got the Amazon jungle, um, and parts of it that are inhabited and, and and, and where, where there's cultivation. So I think you're exactly right. We need, um, uh, to answer your quick question, um, no, we've, we've not got seed in the ground down here. Yes, to we need some pilot programs and some studies. Um, the regs that I, I, I just was mentioning just came out last week. So this is all brand new and, and all very good. People tend to want to immediately start to plant. Um, the Ecuadorian government is saying, let's do this. Yes, definitely. Let's get let's get some pilots going. Uh, let's get some strains figured out. Let's see what's going to be good. And at the same time, let's start with some products, uh, whether it's um, hemp pharmaceuticals, hemp medical devices. I tell you, a big uh, you know hemp uh, hemp masks and hemp ga- hospital gowns and hemp things like that. They are just begging for yes. Mm-hmm. When you look at like the different uh, areas that you can grow, what is the best area within Ecuador to grow? Because you were just explaining all of these different landscapes. Like, what is the pristine landscape for this? Well, they they have a, a unbelievable uh, agricultural industry, and it's not corporate. You have you have many many many. Well, it's not entirely corporate. Bananas corporate, rice is corporate. Um, they have. The lowlands on the western slope of the Andes are all hugely fertile, volcanic soil, um, and it's not industrial. Like I say, other than bananas or rice, it's not particularly industrial agriculture. So I think that I think that all of those plains uh, up and along the coast are ideal. But of course, we've got mountain valleys that are currently being cultivated with wheat and corn, and um, you know, you name it. Um, 
so I don't know, you know, it's, I, I, I'm hoping to learn more about, you know, being an agriculturalist and, and how to grow and where to grow and when to grow and this, that kind of stuff, um, rather than how to sue, who to sue and when to sue, you know, as, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> fair, fair point, Jeff. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that you touched on that, that is, we can learn so much, I think, by looking at what's happened here in the United States over the last six years since the 2014 Farm Bill was passed. And you, you, you mentioned, you know, right when we're only a week out from that policy being written and people are like, let's get seeds in the ground. Let, where do we go and find the genetics providers? And it's like, let, hold on, let's take one step back and look at what happened here in the United States when you start planting a lot of hemp without necessarily having a market or having the processing capacity to even bring uh, that crop to market. And I think the importance and, and kind of one of the things we highlighted uh, when we did that, uh, the presentation for the opportunities around industrial hemp in Ecuador is getting the buy-in and getting the the pre-existing markets to take notice of this new commodity and and really back some research and some and some development uh, to to really make this thrive rather than just putting it all on the farmers, which is what we kind of saw and are kind of still dealing with here in the United States where farmers took the risk and now you have guys who are sitting on uh, a crop they grew two years ago still unable to do anything with it, which is just not you know not what anybody wants to see. But the other thing that really interests me about Ecuador being a first mover country down in South America is the things that we're going to learn from how varieties perform and and what's successful and what isn't is ultimately going to uh, enlighten these other countries that we know are are probably getting closer and closer to some form of, of hemp or cannabis legalization. I'm thinking, of course, about Brazil and Argentina and Peru. So I'm just, you know, I'm I'm giddy with excitement about all of these new developments and what we will see in the near future. I know you are too, Jeff. He's and giddy, Jeff. Gosh, I wish I was down in the Galapagos uh, with you. Hey, giddy is a good word. Like, giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And this is like one of the things that has come out of this, you know, dialogue that we've carried on um, with the various ministries uh, and the government over the last bit is this idea that, like you say, a farmer plants a seed, he wants to know where he's going to sell it, you know, or, or what his, you know, ba- basic business analysis. What is your product or surface? Uh, you know, what is your market and what is your price point? These, you know, these things people like to know before they cultivate. And, you know, as, as you know, particularly Colombia and some others have focused, you know, kind of define their regs into the world of either THC or CBD psychoactive, not psychoactive mm-hmm. for export, for export, you know, and with, without really genuinely getting, like you say, the, the buy-in, where do people get buy-in? You know, you pick up a mask that's made out of hemp and you put it on your face and you're like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't taboo, you know? Um, so what they want to do is start on both ends, start with the pilot programs of, of figuring out when and where and how is best to grow and what kind of strains and varieties and things we're growing for, uh, but there's an extraordinary uh, textile industry in in Ecuador, based in Otavalo. It's a bunch of the, uh, you, you may have seen Ecuadorian textiles like Peruvian, very indigenous, hand-done, 
um, beautiful stuff. Um, so the, the idea of the government um, and, and private, some of our clients, some of the private industry, is that let's start on both ends and, and maybe even bring finished products in so that people get used to it, so that people buy into it, that people say, oh, look, I had this CBD uh, hand lotion and it's fabulous. Or I had this, you know, this hemp uh, extract and it's fabulous. Or look, I've got a mask made out of hemp and it's fabulous. You know, you can touch it, you can feel it, the taboo goes away uh, and you get some good stuff going. And so you start with the product and the seed and then bring, let's say textiles. You know, we bring, first let's bring the textile. Let's bring the canvas. Let's bring the, the hemp cloth. Uh, so or even more, let's bring the hemp masks and then let's bring the hemp cloth to turn them into masks. And then let's bring the hemp fiber to turn into cloth to turn into the mask. And then let's, you know, then let's bring meat in the middle with these strains, local strains. And then, and then you, you can incubate an industry that way. So it's very exciting what they're kind of trying to figure out how to do to avoid, like you say, the idea of farmers, you know, farming and really end up having to sit on, on the product because you don't have the, the rest of the chain developed. So I would very much encourage people who have finished products that are interested in, in getting into this market, um, people that have machines to create the finished product. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, I, as we all get giddy, you know, it's like, okay, where do you start when you've got something that can be made into 60,000 things? And I will say one other thing, this country has probably the most sophisticated plant-based medicine industry, formal industry. Um, one of the most, uh, in, in the world, certainly in this part of the world. And partly because of the biodiversity, you know, and the traditional uses. And that could go just flat gangbusters. We've got clients wanting to combine cacao uh, with, you know, with hemp supplements, um, passion fruit with hemp supplements. You know, they have all kinds of fabulous uh, plant-based medicine and, and foods. Uh, that is not, you know, monoculture, Monsanto, Frankencorn, stuff like that. And so they're very receptive uh, uh, to what this plant could do and, and how it could how it could help genuinely help the country. Um, exciting. That's extremely exciting. And I think the other piece of it, which which will help, is that there are uh, a lot of the the companies that have been at the forefront of providing seed and providing genetics for Europe, for Canada, for the United States are realizing and also seeing all of these opportunities emerge. And I think that there is a tremendous push to start plant breeding and start developing genetics that are going to be successful, uh, at you know at near the equator and it is it's a market where and this is true for bananas and this is why these countries are in some ways the breadbasket of produce for the entire world they have a growing season that never ends and uh and while hemp right now is this crop that you know traditionally if you just look at the biggest hemp grain producer in the world manitoba harvest they are used to a crop that grows from may june to September, October, and this is opening a market where 
you're talking about growing year round. You're not just talking about a four or five month growing cycle, which is just it, the opportunities are endless. And uh, Jeff, I just want to ask you just before we, we let you go, just out of curiosity, you know, there is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like for this pandemic, we have the, the first folks here in the United States getting the vaccine and they're doing it uh, on live stream. What is the general feeling where you are in the Galapagos and, and down in Ecuador? And, and just if you can speak a little bit more broadly across uh, Latin America, are things, are you seeing that light of the tunnel down there? Are the shutdowns and the restrictions as far as uh, what businesses can do as as strict here as here in the U.S.? Or are you starting to feel and uh, are things starting to get back to a semblance of normalcy where you are right now in the world? Well, in, uh, you, Ecuador, particularly Guayaquil, Ecuador, was one of the first world hotspots. Um, it it it, it was one of the first places that really, you know, took took a big hit. But they have they have a very collective society, and they, you know, they had no problem with wearing masks, for example, um, and did. And they implemented programs, and they implemented testing, and they implemented, uh, in, you know, some restrictions on travel and how you can travel and this and the other. But they're still they they they've got. They, they, they beat that curve back down. Now, you know, it, it's not gone. Um, and here in the Galapagos, where I, where, where I am, uh, there are still tourists, uh, but, it, but tourism is way down, uh, clearly. <laughs> um, but yes, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, the nice thing is that hemp, hemp fabric is, you know, antimicrobial and we can make some masks out of it and we can make some gowns out of it and we can make some hospital beds out of it. I read up on this 1918 pandemic and they had this horrible 40 plus percent fatality rate and then somewhat the bright idea, this is during the end of World War One. let's take all of the, the, the sailors out of the holes of the ship and the soldiers out of the barracks and the sick people out of the hospital and the people out of the tenements and put them outdoors in tents, on stretchers, in the sun, in the sunlight, wear masks. And you know what? That time, you know what these masks and gowns and, and beddings and stretchers and everything else was made out of? Hemp. Made out of hemp. So definitely light at the end of the tunnel, and a big part of it is hemp. And never discount the, uh, the power of sunshine and uh, just getting out there to feel better and to get through all this. <laughs> And the strumming your guitar, Jeff. How's the guitar going down there? Well, you know, it's funny you ask because, you know, I have this friend of mine who's a, a movie director here in, in, in Ecuador, and she said, look, I'm making a movie in the Galapagos Islands. I need somebody to to play an old bearded gringo in a hammock with a guitar and a bottle of rum singing songs on the beach in Galapagos. And I... <laughs> well... <laughs> can't really call it acting now, can you? <laughs> That's my favorite image, image of you, Jeff, is that uh, when we were dealing with the chaos last year of, of, of putting together our, our wonderful event in Las Vegas during MJ BizCon, the Golden Key, is you just came out strumming your guitar, <laughs> and I just knew at that moment, you know, everything's going to be okay, and I just can't thank you for the guiding light that you are and the institutional knowledge that you bring to this industry, and I just always love chatting with you. It's my favorite. Well, it's wonderful to be part of this team with you. And it, 
it, it, everything's going to be all right. It really is. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time to stop by and hang out with us here on the Hoban Minute. And we can't wait to uh, talk to you again soon and hear more about the awesome things that you are doing down there, my friend. You have a beautiful evening. Thank you. You as well, man. It's been great catching up, and I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute. Thank you. You as well, man. It's been great catching up, and I can't wait to see you soon.